This morning I'd like to talk to you uh, about some things that, that a lot of times a, a book of the Bible you don't hear much of. So I'd like for you first to turn into Deuteronomy chapter 30. We'll be looking at verses 15 through 20. And then I want you to turn to Judges, the book of Judges. And uh, we'll be talking about that. A book that you don't hear a whole lot of. You've heard some messages out of it and everything. And you've heard of Gideon and Samson and all the rest. But I want to just sort of discuss what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart uh, about the book of Judges. So in Deuteronomy 30, we'll begin there at our text, is, is sort of the key to, I think, to the book of Judges. Uh, they are, uh, Moses is writing the book of Deuteronomy, a book of remembrance uh, is basically what it's about, where Moses is recapping all that has happened with Israel and how God has brought them out of the promised land or out of Egypt and brought them 40 years through the promised land and they're about to to go into the promised land, Moses is about to turn over his command, if you will, to Joshua. And he's wrote this book of Deuteronomy as a book of remembrance, uh, that the things that the Lord wants them to know, the things they never want them to forget. So he says in Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20, uh, the Lord is talking uh, and he says, See, I have set before you thee this day, uh, life and good and death and evil in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment that thou mayest live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. Father, as we study your word, I pray, Father, that you would just uh, speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would give me the, the words to say that, that you would be glorified, that our hearts and minds would be changed, and that we would go out here and be doers of your word and not hearers only. Be with these next few minutes as we study your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I said, I would, uh, now if you'll took, turn to your book of Judges, I, I want to talk about uh, the book of Judges. But before we get into that, I want to give you a little bit of history. Uh, as I said in Deuteronomy, Moses wrote the book of Remembrance. As we all know, Moses didn't enter into the Promised Land. Uh, but Joshua took them into the Promised Land. Uh, they went in uh, across the, the Jordan and, and the Jordan, and they came to Jericho and conquered Jericho and began to uh, to conquer the land and get and take the land that God had promised them. Now they had been there for a little while, and and different things were taking place. Uh, uh, God has had established uh, how they should live with each other socially, how they should put out enemies, how they should not. Uh, uh, mingle with the pagan world so to speak that that they were set apart for God and his purpose and he gave them a lot of rules I've give you a land I've, I'm blessing you with a land of milk and honey of of great things but he said I want you as we read in Deuteronomy I want you to study and to keep my commands I want you to live uh, this day in other words you can choose life or you can choose death you can choose good or you can choose evil. It's up to you whether you want to obey what I've said or not. If you obey me, I'll bless you. If you don't obey me, then there'll be problems. 
Okay? And, and so the book of Judges now, we come into a place where the, the people have pretty much established the land. Uh, they've come up with, with different problems and issues. Uh, Joshua has passed away. And now there's really no leader in Israel. Uh, other than obvious, God is their leader. God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. Uh, I will be. I will lead them. I will direct them. I will put my words in their hearts. And so that's what God intended all along. But they had to have a leader. So Joshua has passed away. They have come up with a lot of social problems. They're arguing over different things, and as you know, people do. We would never do that in church, right? Yeah. Okay. Anytime you get two or three people or more together, you're going to have somebody arguing over something. We're talking about several hundred thousand, if not millions, of Jews at this time. So there had to be problems arise. And so when God saw these problems, and when the people would sin and turn away from his commandments, he would send a judge, as it were, as it, as it would, would say it here. There was like 14 judges that God sent through the book of Judges. I'm trying to give you all this history so you understand the setting of what's going on. Uh, He gave 14 judges. 13 of them were men. One of them was a woman. So those of you that stand out there and say that God doesn't use women, well, you better think again. He appointed a woman over Israel to be a judge over Israel to to help them. And these, these judges would would uh, not only help them in decision making for social problems or direct them in the way that God would go, but he'd also lead them into battle. He'd lead them and and help them to understand what God was telling Israel that they should do. So there's 14 of them. Later the, the judges went away and we got a king and we still had prophets and all the rest that God used. But in the book of Judges, they're, they're called judges that he used. Uh, Othaniel to Samuel were the judges. Samuel was a judge. He's the one that appointed King Saul, the first king of Israel. Um, And and chapter 2, you want to turn there to Judges chapter 2, verses 18 through 23. I want to read to you the, the setting of the book of Judges, of what it was all about, why God was doing this in his own words. It says, and when the Lord raised them up and when the Lord raised them up judges, he's talking about when the Lord raised up Israel judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hands of their enemies all the days of the judge. Um, for it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Okay, so you see uh, part of the reason for a judge here was uh, because of sin, because the people of Israel had, had turned from God. They had started to fellowship and to intermarriage and worshiping these pagan gods and religions other than God. And, and what did God say in Deuteronomy 6? 
If you'll keep my commandments, if you'll follow my statutes, you will prosper. He told Joshua that in the first of Joshua, if you'll, if you'll keep my law, you will prosper. I will bless you. But if you don't, there's problems would come. So as we see here, there were, there were people that vexed them and that, that caused them to, to, uh, to, be, to hide and, and they had made dread and confusion and sadness because they were in sin or because they turned away from God. So God raised up judges that would help them. Now when Joshua chapter, you don't have to turn to it, you can write it down, Joshua 24, 24. Joshua is, is about to die. Joshua is about to uh, end his uh, ministry of what God had called him to do. And he had recapped all that again and said, this is the law that God, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, that you would keep his commandments. And what did the people say in Joshua 24, 24? And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice will we obey. Well, it wasn't long after that until they did it just the opposite of that. They could not keep the commandments. They could not uh, do them as they said. Uh, they fell away from that. And so we come to verse 20 of, of back to Judges 2. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because this people have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my voice. So they have transgressed the covenant. What covenant is he talking about? Now, now, for those of you who are wondering what's going on here, I'm giving you a little recap of what's going on. I'm giving you a lot of history. I want you to understand the book of Judges and where it's at. Uh, I want you to see the truth in it. So what is the covenant here that, that he's talking about? They've transgressed my covenant. Well, write this down. Genesis 17, 8. This is the covenant that God made with Abraham when he promised them a great nation. He says, I will give unto thee, talking to Abraham, and thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger. All the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Remember that. Remember that, that I will be their God. I, I think that's part of the theme of Judges. God wants to be their God. He wants them to love them, to keep his commandments. He wants to bless them. Do you know that God wants to bless you today? Do you know that? A lot of people don't think, oh, God's up there and he's got a big, long, great beard and a staff with lightning bolts on it. God wants to bless you. We see that in the book of Judges. You say, well, preacher, I don't know what I, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't, but God does. And I, I heard uh, Benny Tate on the way here this morning talking about God of second chances. Well, I'm glad he's a God of second chances, but you know what I'm more glad about? He's a God of many chances. We see this in the book of Judges. We have 14 judges, which means at least 14 times just in this one book alone that Israel sinned or turned away from God. God brought up a man that he had ordained and, and promised that, that he would lead them back to him. That he would deliver them from their, their problems, from their enemies. That, he, that this judge would lead them back to himself. And get them back at least 14 times just in the book of Judges. So God is not, not knocking Benny Tate. I love him to death. 
And I know what he means, but God is a God of more than just a second chance. I want you to know that today. Now, there's God, we see here where they had problems. We'll look at that in a minute. Uh, that Because of their sin and their falling away, they fall into different situations. But God is always patient. God is always merciful. So, uh, the promise was here, the covenant that he wanted to be their God, that he would give them the land. And they, it says here in verse 20 that he was angered with them because they had transgressed against his covenant. They have not hearkened unto his voice. Verse 21 of Judges chapter 2, he says, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. Um, Judges 3 and 4 tell us who that is. Judges chapter 3 verse 4. And they, uh, the, God gives a list of what was left. Now here's what's ha- taken place. When God said you go into the promised land, he said you get them all out. Every one of them. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the, the, the uh, Palestinians. Uh, the, oh, there went my brain. Whew, gone. What was Goliath? Philistine. Uh, all those ites and all them eens, steens and all those. God said, drive them all out of the land. The land is yours. I want them all out. Well, guess what? Did they drive them all out? No, they did not. And because of that, they brought problems to Israel. Uh, they brought, they, they, we'll look at it in a minute even more, but they brought problems. Israel began to to mingle with them, to intermarry with them, uh, to, and then ultimately begin to worship their false gods. And it was a big problem. Now God was mad or, or God's anger was hot against him. He was frustrated with him because, first of all, you haven't done what I told you to do. And now you're doing exactly what I told you you would do if you didn't do it. And so they didn't drive them out. And he says in Judges 3, 4, and they will prove Israel by them. So God didn't even drive them out. God didn't allow Joshua to drive them out. For what? He said, so they will prove Israel. So they will test Israel. Look at, look what he says in, in Judges 3, 4. Uh, to know whether they will hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hands of Moses. So God left these people. He had told Israel to drive them out. They didn't. God didn't drive them out. God left them there for them to test them, to see if they would trust him, to see if they would follow him. Uh, Verse 22 of Judges chapter 2, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as the fathers did keep it or not. And then you go back to our text. Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says the choice is yours, whether to live or to die, whether to do evil or to do good. He says if you do good, I bless you. If you do evil, it's going to cost you. You're going to have problems. And you, you can read that all the way down from in Deuteronomy 15 through 20. He's basically saying the choice is yours. Verse 23 of Judges chapter 2, Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. 
Okay, so everybody got the picture. They're in the promised land. God said, if you'll love me, you, you'll keep my commandments. Uh, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind. Don't stray away from this. If you do, you're going to have problems. It, that's not God saying, uh, a lot of people look at that and say, oh yeah, if I don't walk the straight and narrow, wow, God throws a lightning bolt. No, I don't believe that's what God's saying at all. I think it's just like our children. I tell my, my kids when they're young, do this, do that. Um, Friday, good example. <laughs> you know, everybody knows my son's crazy, and he's racing these bouncers up these rock hills. Well, me being a daddy, I'm sitting there watching it. And I'm, okay, this guy made it, and he did this, this, and this. And this guy made it, and he did about the same thing. That guy rolled over all the way back down the hill. He didn't go that way. He went that way. So I'm sitting there thinking, aha, Tyler's still got a few minutes. I'll run down there and tell him, go right, then left. Next hill, go right, then left. You'll be okay. If you'll listen to me, I'm watching them. They're going to go right, then left. If you do the same thing, you'll make it to the top of the hill. What does he do? First, first little ledge, he goes right, then left. Beautiful. Did a great job. He got all excited about that. The second little rise, he went left. Not right. He went left. Yep. Boom. All the way down the hill. Rolled over backward. I believe that's what God is telling the Israel here. It's not that I'm going to send you a lightning bolt. It's that God knows. If you do, God knows what's going on. He knows what's good for you. He knows what's good for society. If you'll keep what I'm telling you, you'll have success. That's what the picture to me is. It's not that if you don't do what I'm saying, whoop I'm shooting a lightning bolt. This is what God is telling. I know how I created man. Remember, he created us. He gave us the mind in which we think. He knows how we do. If you'll keep my commandments, you will have success. That's what God was telling them. I don't look at it as, as something that's scary if I don't walk the straight and narrow. I believe that God loves me and cares for me, wants what's best for me. He's given me instruction so I will have success. So I'll be okay and not roll back down the hill and be upside down. So I think that's what he was telling Israel here. If you'll listen to me, you'll hearken to my voice. I know what will make things go for go well for you. So we look here that the problem of judges. They had turned away from God, and my mouth's dry too, Robin. She's coughing, and my mouth's dry too. Anyway. If you look all the way to the end of the book of Judges in the chapter 21, verse 25, you get a glimpse of what was wrong with the people of Israel. Why God had to send these judges and, and why the things were so messed up. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel. And every man did which was right in his own eyes. Remember that verse, in those days there was no king in Israel. And every man did which was right in his own eyes. 
See, God, uh, Israel did not acknowledge God as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Does that sound familiar? We live in a nation today that wants to turn our back on God. We want to do what's right in our own eyes. We want to do, there is a way, the way that seemed right unto man, but the end thereof is what? Destruction. See, anytime we start thinking we've got the answers and we know what's right, it's going to bring on a mess. And they didn't want to acknowledge God as King of kings and Lord. They didn't want to acknowledge God as as Lord of their life. And this is the, the we're seeing here in the very final chapters of the judges. The, the real problem that they had is that they did right in their own eyes. See, I'm, I, I guess when, when Tyler got to that little second hill, he th- I asked him, I said, what were you doing? I told you to go right, then left. He said, but when I got there, I saw that everybody else, there's other tracks that went left, so I thought I would be okay. No, buddy. That's the ones that went up and turned over backwards. I didn't know I was going to use this as an example today. But isn't that a lot like us? Everybody else is doing it and it's okay. It's not okay. God says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. You want life? Love me. Love one another. Keep my commandments. Do what I'm telling you to do for your own good, he's saying. But this is not what Israel was doing. And they had found themselves in a great mess. And, and you can go on to 1 Samuel chapter 8 and you read where they were so fed up with all this. And, and Samuel, the last judge, was about to die also. And they said, you're getting old. Well, that's a nice way to tell somebody, right? You're getting old. You're about to die. So we need a king. And in 1 Samuel 8, it tells us that when they told him that, that Samuel's heart was broke. It displeased Samuel that they said we need a king. Why? Because, Because God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. You don't need a king. When you got the God of the universe, right? To follow and to lead you. So it displeased Samuel. And we know the story that God uh, gave and he told Samuel, said, do what they ask. They ask for it, they'll get it. You, you want to give them a king? They want a king? Give them a king, Samuel. And we all know about King Saul and the things that he did and the problems that he caused in the life of Israel. Because they wanted something other than what God had and intended for them. Uh, this brought problems in their lives. And, and so we go to, now look to one of your familiar passages. Everybody knows Gideon, right? The story of Gideon. Is anybody else in here? Anybody know the story of Gideon? Uh, Gideon was the one that remember we put out the fleece and and uh, and uh, God, he's down at the well. First, he's at the wine press and he's sifting wheat at a wine press. He'll make you scratch your head. The angel of the Lord appears from him and says, "Hey, I want you to help. I want you to be a judge over Israel. Through you, I will deliver Israel from your enemies." Right. 
Gideon was a doubter. Gideon was in the wine press because he was afraid for his life. He was afraid that they would steal what he had. So he was down in a hole sifting wheat. Anybody know how you do that? Yeah, you go to Kroger and you buy a bag of flour, right? No. Back then they had the wheat and, and they would take it and throw it up and it would knock the, well, you, some of you farmers need to help me, but the chafe off of it and the wheat seed would fall and the wind would have to blow through it to blow the chafe away. So the seed would fall to the ground and they had good grain to grind up for, for flour and stuff. So to, ordinarily you're standing up on a hilltop sifting this wheat as the wind blows the chafe away. Where was Gideon? He was down a hole in the wine press, afraid. Afraid for what he was making, afraid for his life, because the enemy had come. They were robbing them. They were stealing them. You can read it in, in, in uh, uh, Joshua chapter 6. You can read all about it. How they were oppressed because they had fallen away from God and God allowed the enemy to overtake them and to to bring all these problems. And in verse 13 of chapter 6 of Joshua, and Gideon said, Oh my Lord, if, if the Lord be with us, why then all this befall us? And where be all the miracles which our father told us of saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Because of their sin, because they had fallen away. Now listen, uh, Gideon says this, but I think he's just sharing the feelings of all of Israel. God, where are you? Why have you allowed such problems to come into our life? Why have you forsaken us? Where is a, if, if you're such a, a loving, gracious God and you've told us about all these miracles, the parting of the Red Sea and all the things that you did for our fathers, we're not seeing it. We're oppressed. The Midianites are stealing and robbing and killing us. Why is it that way, Gideon says? Why have you forsaken us, Lord? Well, see, that's what sin does. It brings you low. It, it, it discourages you. And then you read on the, down to verses 37 and 36 of chapter 6 of Judges. And Gideon said to God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, and hast, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece, and if the dry come upon uh, beside the earth, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as I always said. There's another thing sin does. It causes problems of doubt. You, you begin to wonder where God is. I don't see the miracles he's done. And you begin to doubt. Did you really say that, God? And we see here where Gideon says... Uh, the story there is, if you don't know, that he lays out a fleece the first day and, and says, Lord, if you're telling me this, I'm not sure that this is an actual angel of the Lord, even though he's already confirmed that with him. He says, let the fleece just be wet and the ground dry. So he gets up next morning, and sure enough, he rings out a bowl of water just out of the fleece and the ground is dry. Okay. 
So uh, that's good, Lord. I think I'm getting the picture, but just one more time, would you do one more thing? The next morning, will you make the fleece dry in the ground? That way I'll know for sure this is what you're telling me. You see the doubt and confusion in Gideon? And so God answered that too. And so Gideon finally gets the picture and and God uses him to do this. But what I've told you this morning is all part of what Israel has done. And and, and it goes on later in chapter 7 and verse 2. It says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Mennonites. Now what has happened here is that Gideon finally gets the picture and he's like, okay, you're going to lose. So what does he do? He gets 32,000 men together. He says, we're going to go conquer the Mennonites. Here I am, Lord. I got it ready for you. Me and 32,000 of us are going to do what you want done. In chapter 7, verse 2, God says, there's too many. That's too many. And, and, uh, and he, he goes on and he says, Let, uh, I want you to ask them, any of you who are afraid, leave. 22,000 left. If I remember correctly. So he's left there with roughly 10,000 men. So Gideon, the doubter, not sure of himself. He's just a poor old farmer. Okay, Lord, me and 10,000 can get it. We got it, right? We're going to do the many. Nah, that's too many. He said, I want you to go down to the brook, and those who put their face down in the water and drink, I want you to tell them to pack their bags and go home. He said, but those who take water and drink watching and looking, those are the ones I want to use. Gideon ended up with 300 men. From 32,000 to 300. Gideon had no idea how in the world are we going to do this. But we know the rest of the story and how Gideon really didn't do anything with 300 men. (coughs) Other than break some vases and have some lamps and blow a trumpet. The Midianites all killed each other by the hand of God. See, it was the battle is the Lord's. Gideon had forgot that. I'll take care of it. I'll do it. I'll do this for you. And they won the battle and never swung the first sword. The Midianites killed one another because of their confusion. So, preacher, this is all great and well. But how, what does this mean to me? I think it means a lot to us. I believe it means everything to us. As I read the, the book of Judges, and if I go through this, I, I think of, boy, God just puts things, allows things. We do things. God doesn't remove them to prove us, to test us, whether we will be, whether we will do his commandments and follow him, or if we're going to do what seems right in our own eyes. So, so I've heard people say, why doesn't God just take away all my problems and all my pains? Because he wants you to trust him. He's testing you. He's proving you. Is your pain and your problems bigger than your God? See, Gideon, and then we get in these problems, and a lot of times, oh, I've got it figured out, Lord. If I do this, and if I save my money here, and I work extra overtime here, and I do this, and I do that, everything's going to be okay. 
boom, your job shuts down. There goes 22,000 men. See what I'm saying? How it can apply to you. The things that you depend on the most, God takes them out of the way and says, no, that's not what I want you to depend on. How do I know that? Judges chapter 7, verse 2. The rest of that verse, he says, uh, the, the people are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand has saved me. See, I believe that God wants the credit for everything done. And he didn't want to use 32,000 men because it, he knew Israel and their pride. And they would go around with their chest stuck out saying, yeah, we did it. We conquered. Uh-huh. I saved my money. I worked hard. Look what I got. God said, no, I'll do it. And I'll show you that I can do it. If you'll trust me and if you'll keep my commandments. So God allows things in our lives to prove us, to test us. Well, he said he don't send us judges anymore. There's no judge around here. I'm not a judge. Where's the judges? Where's the prophets? Where's the kings? He's in my heart. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, what are you talking about? See, to me, the judge to us today is God's Holy Spirit. His Spirit which lives within me. That directs me, that convicts me, that delivers me. So I can live a life that is well-pleasing to God. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse, uh, I'll read a few verses here. He says, Wherefore the Holy Ghost, the judge, the prophet, the king, also is a witness for us. He's saying the Holy Ghost is a witness for us uh, that, that what Christ said was going to come to pass. For after that he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. What days? The days after the resurrection of our Savior. This is the covenant that I'm going to make with them, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds while I write them, and their sins and iniquities while I remember no more. Now where the remission of these is, there is no offering for sin. See what the writer of Hebrews was proving there, that Christ is good enough once and for all. He died once and for all. And after that he died, God put his laws on my heart. He gave me a ruler of my heart, his Holy Spirit, that would con convict me, that would guide me, that would help me to deliver, to overcome Sin to overcome my enemies. Y'all seeing this? That the book of Judges is very clear in the Christian life. See, all of this about the promised land and all the rest, the picture of that is the victorious Christian life. A lot of people say the promised land is heaven. No, it's not heaven. That is not a picture of heaven. The promised land is a picture of my victory in Jesus here on this earth. The victorious Christian life. If the promised land was heaven, then why did they have to fight to protect the borders? I want to tell you, when I get to heaven, the battle's over. 
The battle, it is, Jesus said it's finished on the cross. So the battle of sin is over now. But the battle to, for the every day for me to follow the commandments of my Lord, to serve him, to worship him in a pure heart, that battle's over when I get to heaven. But I sure do struggle with it right now. Every day of my life, there's an enemy that comes that tries to distract me and get my eyes off of what's right and what's wrong, what God would have me to do. That's the promised land. Every day they were to protect their borders. The enemy were always coming in and oppressive. They were, they had problems with sin. They had problems with pride. They had problems with doubt. Anybody had those problems here lately? I want I'm here to tell you, God has sent his Holy Spirit to help you overcome your problems. To guide you in the ways of righteousness. To guide you in his commandments, which he knows is best for you, for your own good. And he didn't leave you alone to figure it out on your own. He gave you his Holy Spirit to help you with that. He gave you a judge. He gave you a king that lives within your heart. To tell you his ways that are best for you. The writer of Hebrews says in verse 20 of chapter 10. He says by a new and living way. Which he has consecrated consecrated for us. Through the veil that has said his flesh. See when Jesus died on the cross. He paid for my sins. When he resurrected he told it as I said last week. We know from that. By his resurrection, the payment for sin was done once and for all. God had accepted the, bless, the precious blood of my Savior. So I have life eternal. And then he did something else. He sent me his Holy Spirit to live that life that he promised me to have. But the judges is sort of, I hope I've wet your whistle a little bit. To want to go read the book of Judges, where do you fit in? Are you full of pride? Are you doubtful about what God has called you to do? Are you doubtful about what God's telling you to do? The battle is, your, is his. He said, if you'll trust me, if you'll keep my commandments, I promise you, you will prosper. Now, I'm not a make it claim it preacher. And I'm not saying you're going to have riches and, and a big Mercedes bin in the driveway. That's not what I'm telling you. That's not the prosper God's talking about. The proper, prosper that God's talking about is the life that he has for you. The, the ministry that he's given you, the thing that he has given you life for, he will do it through you and he will be glorified. You will prosper because of what he's called you to do if you'll keep his commandments by the help of his Holy Spirit Father we thank you for today we thank you for your word Lord I pray that you would just take whatever words I've said and and just Lord just unscramble them that we would we would understand a clear clear picture of how much you love us and God that you're a God of many chances that that waits patiently and is continually sending us help to get on the straight path, to follow the, the ways you would have us to go for our own good, 
because you love us so much. We thank you for salvation. Lord, we thank you for the resurrection. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God which lives in us to direct us and guide us in the ways you would have us to go. Help us, Father, to do that this morning. Help us to trust you and to, to know that you love us so much that, Lord, we can't even comprehend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.